0: educational podcast from the Center for Southeast Asian Studies at Northern Illinois University. From music and maps to money and modernity, this is where ideas come together. Welcome everyone to another edition of Southeast Asia Crossroads, and we're, uh, we're excited to have in our studio uh, uh, a couple of guests. Most importantly with us, uh, guest speaker is uh, Tamara Luce. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Happy and, to be here.
0: And uh, also, uh, it's been too long since a uh, uh, co-host is, uh, has joined me, but uh, welcome back, Anjana.
2: Thank you. I'm back.
0: Yeah, we're glad to glad to have you. We had a um uh, a really interesting talk uh with uh, um some some really new research and we're excited to kind of have that uh um be 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 trotted out a bit. Um you might uh you might know uh, Tamara from from uh, as a as a historian at Cornell um working on uh, on uh, gender is not a not a new topic for you, of course, uh in your research. Um But today you uh, raised a really fascinating subject, I think students will be interested as well, and and scholars, and that is uh, um, Transgender Troubles, Judith Butler in in Thai Studies. So maybe give us a little context of, uh, how did you decide on the the topic a little behind the music?
1: Hmm. Good question, Uh, I was sort of given or gifted this topic, depending on how, want to, how you wanna think about it. Uh, the AAS, or the Association for Asian Studies, uh, is um, has invited scholars of Asia to consider the importance of Judith Butler's arguments in Asia, because this coming year, 2020, will be the 30th anniversary of Judith Butler's book, Gender Trouble. Um, and I did notice that many people in the audience today had not been born by the time she published <laughs> that in 1990. <laughs> so, this is um, the time that we live
0: in now. I know. It's, so, uh, some of our audience weren't even born like September 11th, so that's like, that, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, they asked me to participate on that panel uh, in, uh, I guess it'll be March 2020 at AAS, uh, to talk about the impact of Butler's first book uh, in Southeast Asian studies. I'm just beginning that research, and as someone who feels a little bit uh, firmer on the ground of Thai studies, I thought I would try out her topic in Thai studies first and then try to solicit some feedback from audience members about uh, the impact of Butler in other places in Southeast Asia, and that's what I'll be studying next.
0: Um, Okay, thanks. Well, what's
2: interesting about that is the assumption that she's been used in Southeast Asian mm-hmm. studies? Because that says kind of where the perspective is coming from too. What did you think
1: about that? Well, you mean from the AAS? Right. Yeah, um, I think that she has been used in uh, China, Chinese studies, Japanese studies for sure, probably Korea, South Asia, uh, but they wanted to include Southeast Asia. Which I think is a good impulse for them to be inclusive. Now, the degree to which she's actually been utilized, especially in native languages, is a different question altogether, and that's really at the heart of what I'm trying to find at the research level uh, of this project. Uh,
0: one of the one of the early points you made is that um, Southeast Asia can reveals some of the limits of uh, gender in Butler's work. So. We we're, we're going to get into the weeds a bit on, on on Butler's work, but maybe talk about how how geography and maybe other factors kind of make it difficult to do this in Southeast Asia or ch- or more challenge.
1: Yeah, anyone who works on Southeast Asia knows this really well. So probably listeners uh, are going to hear something that um, they they already know. But I think in the context of the panel at AAS, where I'll be talking to folks who work on China or on Japan or on India, um, it might be something relevant for me to bring up, and that is that uh, Southeast Asia is made up of many, many, a multitude more um, diversity, I would say, than um, what you see in other places in Asia. So for Southeast Asia, there are a couple of key kind of foundational factors that make diversity exponential, right? So geographically, you have uh, thousands of islands. Eric was reminding me there are like 3,000 different ethno-linguistic groups in the Indonesian archipelago alone. Mainland Southeast Asia, it's a continent, sure, but there are uh, mountainous plateaus uh, that create differences between highland and lowland uh, cultures and languages. And so geography is just one factor that makes Southeast Asia potentially more diverse than what you'd see in China or India or Japan. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't differences within those countries, but this is really just... um, A kind of factor issue: how how many differences there are. Southeast Asia has experienced colonization by every major Asian and Western power over the years. Uh, There are also a huge variety of um, contemporary political entities, right? So, a sultanate in Brunei. um, I'm not sure what you'd call it in Thailand right now, but. Uh, maybe a return to absolutism. Uh, in, back it was to, just declared
2: the end of um, absolutism.
1: It's interesting that they had to declare that again. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <clears throat>
0: Anytime you have to promulgate something, it's like, maybe yeah. it's not being followed. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I guess basically there's there's so many differences in Southeast Asia that you have to take into account that it's really hard to say anything definitive about how Butler has an impact, singular, on a place like Southeast Asia. So... Uh, I'm really um, trying to find some generalities I can talk about as a a point of comparison when we're talking about Butler in Southeast Asia as opposed to studies of Butler in India and in China and Japan. And I actually think that from the perspective of all these places, we're going to find some very general critiques that have to do with underlying assumptions in Butler's theories.
0: So so maybe this is a good time to to give... uh it, uh, uh an easy breezy <laughs> thumbnail of uh, Butler, but we're, we're talking about gender as a category of analysis uh, uh, broadly um, and uh, how there's sort of the production of sex and gender. Um, tell us how, sh- when, when we hear Judith Butler, um, what should we be thinking about in terms of what does this mean to, to use this in, in Southeast Asian Some settings. bullet points. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> As, as best we can, <laughs> bullet point Judith Butler. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, if I had to boil it down to one main uh, point that Butler makes, um, that is that she argues in her book Gender Trouble uh, that the performance of gender identity, heteronormative gender identity, as well as drag. Um, is a performance, it's an imitation of something. uh, And that something is not real, right? It's an imitation of an imitation. You never can get to some core real. uh, And so she deconstructs or dismantles what gender means. She dismantles what sex, that category means in order to make this argument that all gender performances are imitative. The majority of scholarship that we see that uses Butler actually looks at uh, drag or non-normative gender performances, but her work is equally significant for looking at normative femininity and masculinity. Those two are performances, they're imitations.
0: So it, it's something that's discursively created, um, uh, sex and gender, and uh, the, sort of the production of what sort of norm, what, what, what is the normative woman in a, in a sort of conventional sense?
1: mm-hmm I'm gonna I would get into it's a trap. trap it's a trap <laughs> um, well okay so this it's It's became a gotcha podcast <laughs> uh, is there, there's probably not a, a correct answer so uh, but you can think of normative femininity as um, heterosexual so there's a sexual element uh, as Female, so there's a presumed sex or you know bodily element, uh, and then femininity, which is the the way we think about gender, right? And what femininity looks like really varies over time and place. Um, Butler's making the argument that what sex is also um, can be deconstructed and, and varies as well.
0: Uh, yeah. A particular example that you used is pate uh, um, or the the tie. Um, Construction and maybe uh, the two you could talk about mm. how how this uh, how this kind of presents a bit of the possibilities and some of the challenges of of this kind of analysis in 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 the Thai case or the Southeast Asian case,
2: right? And um, so I think what's interesting is that we, wherever you are and and her work. Butler's work makes a strong case for this you have to construct it it has to be built it has to be maintained it has to be performed it has to be reiterated and this is this system N- normative
0: gender itself yeah
2: gender yeah normative non you know yeah, uh, yeah. any any of that is is a system that that a group of people agreed upon or is, is at some point and then it's just repeated right the copy and the performance Um, and and to look at it in southeast asia and depending on the history of each of the country and she's looking at um, tamara's looking at uh, thailand in particular and siam of course too and how that came to be right how femininity changes and and I think it's it's interesting to to look at your body of work and you're kind of like slowly inching towards kind of like now I really have to just talk about gender because <laughs> you all you know because it was almost like you're it was in there it was mm-hmm. part of the analysis part of your work and then and then now you're like now I'm just gonna talk about this thing um <laughs> that that's always kind of been there and nobody really directly addresses. That's why I was so excited about your talk today, because it's like, let's just talk about it now, Mm -hmm. especially because so much of gender studies and sexuality studies, women's studies um, tend to pull case studies from the region of Southeast Asia and the region of South Asia as, you know, exemplary X. Of something, and so we're we're like a hotbed of case studies, mm. but no one really just sits down and just let's talk just about mm-hmm. gender there. And case then, studies
0: for a larger Western body, right? Of, so of when you look at gender studies from work. the
2: Western practices yeah. and and Western um, approaches that kind of center Butler's work and theories and framework, and we're kind of like always the case studies, right? If you don't know anything about Thailand and you're an academic, you're gonna have read some sort of gender case studies mm. of some kind, um, while at the same time, and you mentioned this in your talk, mm. that gender studies and women's studies is this nascent stage in Thailand. Very few programs are offered in women's studies, like Tamasat and Chiang Mai only, mm. right? And in English, an international program only in Chiang Mai, and you can only get a master's. There's no PhD yet. So, mm. And so you kind of get this uh, asymmetrical study of gender Um, from the region and from outside the region Mm -hmm. and I love that you're just like sit down everyone let's really just gather around the fire and talk about it you know instead of kind of dancing around it in the work Mm. so that became like a compliment instead of an analysis.
1: You said a lot of things that um, I would like to respond to but I probably won't remember all of them I do think there's a critique out there, uh, not my own, in which um, there's an asymmetry between the theories which often come from Western academe, even from non-Westerners in Western academe, right? This is not like an old critique in a way um, that that sees other places in the world like Thailand as the source of the case studies to prove something. and. In a way, the most abstract critique that I have of uh, how Butler is used in Southeast Asia is that um, those abstract categories she's most focused on, for for good reasons, like gender and this category of sex, blinds uh, many of us who work on gender and sexuality in Southeast Asia to other categories that are more salient uh, in in uh, understanding third genderedness in particular in Thailand, right? Because if we're always looking only at how Guthe or transgendered people in Thailand, Tom and D, work within the categories of gender and sex, we forget also to look, especially historically, at how uh, they perhaps were more important as uh, ritual specialists, this is the work of Michael Pellets. um, as people who um, participate in spirit possession, Song Zhao, right, who really are arrogating royal privilege in that moment, even if they're cross-gendering. Uh, and so other categories become much more important, uh, status, class, maybe ethnicity, right, so we can think about those aspects that are um, omitted, occluded, discarded when you're always trying to prove that gender and sexuality or sex in the case of Southeast Asia says something about those self-same categories right as opposed to ones outside of it. So that's a little abstract but uh, I think that that's probably the um, one of the most important um, interventions that Southeast Asianists can make when looking at Judith Butler's work.
0: Sort of the, the assumption of uh, uh, in, in sort of gender performativity that it that it that it matters it's it's more important than 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 other sort of sorts of class or performative cases and and uh that 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 that's a bias the that a casual western scholar might walk into it's a bias that could sort of create um confusion or 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 sort of a faulty kind of analytical framework from the start right
2: theoretical blind spots i guess yeah. Analytical blind spots, too. And another point that you made that I really enjoy, as, as much as one can enjoy a point being a maid during a talk. Um, I just say we're academic like, nerds. We like. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I really, I was fist pumping um, this particular point during your talk is that the distinction of, of gender, not the distinction, the definition of gender in the Western um, framework as identity, as the sense of inner mm. self being. Propelled outward, or performed outward, or revealed—in the case mm-hmm. of coming out of the closet—and and, and yeah. to compare that with the way that it's practiced and performed uh, in in the Southeast Asian region, mm-hmm. is, uh, particularly you know historically in Thailand. And I I love that you're just like throwing it out there because yeah. I it's almost like we know it, but we it's why hard, have we not talked about it? It's Hard it?
1: to articulate it, mm-hmm. and it's it remains difficult to really articulate what. What is at the basis of that distinction? Um, and I think Ros Morris has taken a good stab at it. Uh, Penny von Estrick has talked mm. about Galatesa. Uh, I've talked about Galatesa a little bit, but I think it's I think it's bigger than that. And it would be really interesting to hear more from Thai scholars who who um, have to perform this, right? The entire social aspect, the public aspect of existence is arguably more performative in a place like Thailand than in many other places where in Thailand it's not valued to uh, be your quote-unquote true self as if we have just one that's actually offensive it's offensive uh it's selfish right it's um so so what what truth means what is valued operates very differently there, and um, it's almost so fundamental that it's hard to find words to articulate what, you know, what that difference is really about, because I come from, you know, a particular culture, and um, and it's hard for me to feel like I'm being authentic if I'm not always being truthful about who I am in the world, right? I feel like I'm lying, or I feel like I'm committing a kind of harm to someone else by falsely presenting myself. That is that would be so offensive if I brought that into a, a Thai social interaction, yeah, yeah. right.
0: The, and maybe to get deeper into the, this kind of inter- really interesting uh, idea of c- comparative coming out and what that means in, in sort of performative Western or, or the Thai case, and maybe maybe for our listeners, I think the, the Tom and Dee uh, sort of w- what that is and is is maybe a good case to, to for them to sink their teeth into to understand the the categories you're you're talking about.
1: So Tom is comes from tomboy, uh, and D comes from lady, uh, and these are gender identities uh, that um, that are in operation in Thailand. Uh, and Toms usually are paired up with Ds, so you have heterogendered. Uh, normatively heterogendered partnerships. Not all lesbian partnerships are Tom D partnerships, for sure, but uh, they're the more obvious ones, I would say. And I would say they were probably even more visible in the 90s when people first started doing work on lesbian relationships in Thailand than, than today. Um, it would be really interesting for uh, someone to study Tom D or women's same sex relationships in thailand today and in fact there are a couple people uh, emily donald at cornell and and others who are working on that in in thailand but i think you could do the same like evie blackwood who works in indonesia right sees uh, similar categories in operation in indonesia or parts of indonesia i think she's mostly working in Sumatra. Um, you see similar categories in taiwan and in japan right and so uh, yeah, those are the, that's. I hope that explains or clarifies a little bit about the um, kind of gender performances that look heteronormative but actually uh, um, refer to same-sex sexual partnerships. Right, and it's interesting
2: too. And and you know, within within the queer community in Thailand and with friends and family, it's. It's interesting to talk about these terms, just with friends and colleagues, because by by virtue of being bilingual, right, in Thai and English, mm. I have like so many terms that I could use to refer to all of these nuance mm. category within the community, mm-hmm. but they don't translate. So part of the struggle, mm-hmm. I think, that that you were having, Tamara, is like, I don't want to translate because it doesn't translate. It, it's it's not fun functioning within the same we don't have the same cubby holes so to to simplify mm-hmm. it and um and i would for whoever's listening out there who's looking for a dissertation topic <laughs> um i just please the the increases in the categories um, mm. of, of identity and gender and...
0: Even recently, you're saying? Like right the, now, yeah, yeah, happening yeah. In,
2: in Thailand right now. So the word gay, for example, has entered into the LGBTQIA community in Thailand, and it means completely different than... You know all these mm-hmm. things that exist, mm-hmm. and and what does that all mean to the culture? What does that mean to the performance? And and so,
0: please, please tell me in in Thailand that, um, like say in, in Indonesia, that that exists, and then when it had when it's translated to text message, there's a whole acronym based another is that also there's actually
2: there's there's an infographic out there (laughs) that explains all of the different terms um Uh because you need it It, it's happening all the time as part of this dynamic ever-changing community um lived experiences right and and as the increase of of western educated um community Mm -hmm. members kind of take this bilingual um identity in Mm -hmm. into the fold it's it's been very very interesting. So Tom and Dee are still there. Yeah, they're old terms. they yeah, they're like old school now. It's I mean I don't want to make make fun of the old lesbians, but you know, um, but it's it's interesting. And and for for the listeners out there who are searching for a new paper topic, mm. um, who have the training and mm-hmm. and the accessibility to the community, uh, please please study
1: this new phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I would love to. I look forward to reading your work, whoever you are. There, there have been a few studies. Peter Jackson is the person who really true tries to delineate the kind of emerging categories all the time. But I do think it's hard to it's hard to keep track of, and um, and that's a great thing. that yes. there's this, this multiplicity. For me, what's really interesting, and here here we need the help of linguists like Gant- Gantana, uh, is the uh, underlying term in Thai for, for sex, gender, and sexuality, which is the same term, paid. and I looked up this term in the dictionary this morning, just to, like, m- see what I found. Uh, I have a couple different go-to dictionaries online that I go to, and... Webster's
0: <laughs> defined pate as... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Basically, this, you know, there's kind of a Royal Institute dictionary, and then a, then a, a better one that yeah. does more colloquial stuff, uh, and they still... D- paid is used interchangeably for gender sex not so much sexuality uh but gender and sex for sure and i know there are more specified terms by um certain experts in the field of gender studies in in thailand so those terms do exist but they're not kind of commonly used and that to me says something about fundamental linguistic and cultural concepts uh in in which it's not important to distinguish among those things so much, or maybe it's really contextually defined in a way that uh, is less true for the English language. Uh, And so those differences across Southeast Asia, not just in Thai, I think are fundamental to how we think through conceptual categories that have to do with gender and sexuality. And I would be interested in learning more about that.
2: And one of the first lessons I have to cover in Thai class, very first day of class, beginning Thai, when people are starting with zero, is even just teaching them to say hello, right? And which ending to use, ka, Ah, krap, and who uses which. Mm -hmm. And I always have to make this, do a big talk, which people always think, why is this a language class? I don't need to learn about gender, you know? And I said, it's not whether you're male or female, Mm -hmm. it's whether you, are identifying and performing and letting other Mm -hmm. people know whether you're masculine Mm -hmm. or feminine. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's up to you. So I'm gonna I am going to say, Mm -hmm.
1: and
2: then you're gonna say it back to me however you want me to address you. Mm -hmm. And same thing with the pronoun. And I said, you can't say I or me without kind of having to let me know Mm. where you want me to see you. Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's interesting to have to to kind of get that to them right away. The preferred
0: pronoun is is implied in hello.
2: Right. But (laughs) the preferred pronoun in Western practices is what people call you. Yeah. Right. 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 Where you and let's
0: say you get to declare. Right. So
2: so the the preferred pronoun in Thai is you choose it. Yeah. And then you tell other people. And it's
1: very confusing sometimes. <laughs> it's very confusing
2: um, <laughs> for women especially. <laughs> yes, yes, and um, and then the wor- the English word "you" is in there now too, I know. and I, she you, and yeah. he. Oh, love it. Anyways, um, so you know, so we have to do this kind of introduction. So right away they're getting a cultural yeah, <laughs> lesson in that he and she is 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 just third com- person. Com. Yeah. We don't care if it's a she or he. It doesn't matter. You is you there's no gender there, but you have to identify you choose first mm. and and there's only been I think one work on the changes in in language as somebody transitions to a different um, performance of gender and that's a ma- I think it's a master's degree um, thesis out of Jula because you do have to kind of declare it right mm-hmm. So when do you switch from Ka and krap? and so it's it's a lot a lot of again out there dissertation topic up for grabs. <laughs> If anybody's
0: out there. How, do, how does pate work for for monks?
1: Well, technically, they're their own pate, at right. least historically. Uh, they're their own category. Uh, I don't know if this is true today. I mean, first of all, only men can be monks, so it's sort of implied. <laughs> uh, although that's changed. We right. Think. I was like, except for, yeah, right, except for. Yeah, uh, except <laughs> So... Uh, um, So it'd be interesting to hear uh, or to read about people who have looked at gender or this kind of gender category uh, for monks. My work is historical, so (laughs) I can only refer back to things that are like from the 19th century when I did come across Pate as a reference to monks and to men and to women. These are three different categories gender categories if you will I mean depends on how you define paid right Uh, and the one example that I like to give that just sort of messes with the category paid is this um, term laka paid which I think can be translated today as transsexual but uh, in the past when I came across it it was a, a, a layman who disguised himself as a monk so he stole the paid of a monk to um fool everyone by appearing to be a monk as opposed to just a lay lay buddhist so it's a it's an interesting term that the base term paid and how it has been used historically versus today which now it's almost fully within the 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 realm of gender and sexuality
0: with a couple historians here, uh, how has tell us how I'm a
1: baby historian. Let's not get excited.
2: <laughs> She's a secret historian.
1: <laughs> she decided.
0: She's doing a great job. How uh, how has uh, sort of the construction of sort of gender performativity um, evolved in in Thailand in the 20th century? You you both have done some work and some thinking about this.
1: I'm gonna let Gantana. She just wrote an article oh. <laughs> on this. Yes, in a, in a
2: shameless act of self promotion. Um, well, I I looked at. Mm, mid-20th century. An article entitled? <laughs> Dear Thai plug. Sisters. Uh, so just look up Dear Thai Sisters. It's, it's a series of um, propaganda pieces that were targeting Thai women, essentially. And what's interesting is that they start with, with a category that's undeniably uh, female or feminine as it were, they didn't ever define it, right? But that's the whole work of the propaganda, was defining this kind of ideal woman. Creating and it. Creating it, mm-hmm. right, from something that wasn't really articulated before, as as um, uh, Dr. Liu's work has, has talked about, right? And. And so they have all these letters, supposed to be kind of intimate, kind of informal letters. Dear esteemed Thai sisters, dear Thai sisters everywhere. Um, as if, you know, your uncle is writing to you about, oh, this is how you should, you know, be, be in, in please society. Please wear a hat.
0: <laughs> it's, and it's always,
2: it's very yeah. anticlimactic. It's like, please wear a hat. Please have, a ha- have hair that's long. You know, please cover your torso. Um, but for, I, I don't want to For, for our listeners, where is this yes. coming from? Oh, this? sorry. I'm, not, I'm yeah. terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> <laughs> so it's coming out of Southeast Asian Studies, uh, the English version of it from the Kyoto University Southeast Asian um, Study Center.
1: And the cultural mandates were uh, promulgated between 39 and 41 in Thailand. Right. So that's the... the, the Thai historical moment, as opposed to the production of the publication moment.
2: Right, right. <laughs> True. I was yeah. not writing um, well. in 1939. But um, maybe, I don't know, past <laughs> lives. Uh, but so what's interesting about that, I, I started as the uh, a topic of how to construct Thai-ness, because Thai-ness has to just been I'm making this hand motion, which none of you can see as listeners. this are shaping building- <laughs> some clay
0: or something <laughs> it's, it's, with their hands. It's charades
2: close. now. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I'm thinking in Thai now, which is not working. So they, they're pan kon, which is literally to mold people hmm. um, from a malleable uh, material. Because thai didn't exist, right? It was Siamese. And so in creating Thailand, they have to create this suddenly defined highness, and inadvertently or not my argument was that not they decided to also need to define man and women mm. which was never kind of a thing mm. legally speaking in in kind of general daily life
0: to be to be modern is that
2: to be thai and the implication was that it's yeah. also going to be modern mm-hmm. right and and that was applied historically differently mm-hmm. in Siamese subjects so can you talk a little bit about what your work has <laughs> I'm done promoting myself. <laughs> She's the guest. <laughs> so, right, how the Siamese and the, the issue of gender, if issue
1: was a word of gender or a topic of gender or the definition mm-hmm. or construction of it. So the, w- the way that I think about this is um, also benefits from the work of others, including Gantan and Peter Jackson, uh, is that there were not as many apparent Gender distinctions in hair, in dress, in comportment, uh, in Thailand in the 19th century, according to Western observers. Now, I firmly believe that every Thai person knew who was female right. and who was who was male, but uh, that's sort of how it's been written about that um, both men and women had short hair and uh, both wore donkabon, uh, the um, a kind of pants like. <laughs> outfit and they were not required to wear tops right Uh, so so the sartorial style especially for lower classes was the same unless you were Chinese which is a really different topic to think through and I did not was not able to talk about it today but we could talk about it they had the pigtail the cute right Mm -hmm. Um, but there were not strong gender distinctions in dress there weren't last names so you couldn't follow parentage that way there weren't titles uh, honorific titles like Miss mr. things that signified gender in in your enunciation um, there also were names that weren't gendered so you know right dang was right. a name like no <laughs> noah you right these these uh, names like common common nicknames weren't gender identifiable uh, for a long time in Thailand and so What you see happening in the late 19th century, maybe even before, is a a push by the state to enforce, at least in Bangkok and among civil servant types, stronger uh, apparent, like visual cues as to who's male and female. And again, I don't think this is for their own benefit. (laughs) It's for the benefit of uh, foreign observers and to prove a kind of status as being uh, civilized or Western, etc. right? And that's different in the 19th century than what Gantana works on, which is the mid 20th century. But in both cases, you see stronger enforcement and creation really of um, observable gender differences in dress, skirts versus pants, long hair versus short hair. Uh, and my, my, my point in talking about that uh, through a kind of Butlerian lens is that uh, not that it's wrong to try to talk about moments where you see the emergence of gender distinctions because that's important in and of itself to think about and to think about why gender was not significant enough to be strongly, visibly demarcated in Thailand, uh, but that when you start looking for it in the past, you can make some assumptions that maybe are not um, accurate or as accurate or contextualized as you want them to be. In other words, when you're constantly looking for gender distinctions because you want to say something about transgender, the existence of transgender, uh, you miss out on other ways in which people's bodies were differentiated very strongly. And in the case of Thailand, you can see this in what people wore Right? Yeah,
0: I was, was going to ask, in a context where performing class is maybe more important than right. performing gender, does it make it harder to <coughs> apply a sort of a Butlerian um, framework to those, or does it just require different work?
1: I think it's, it would be a misunderstanding of what we see historically in Thailand to try to force a Butlerian analysis about gender and transgender and gender performance when actually what seems to be more salient and more marked is um, status differentiation and patronage through what you wear. And there uh, are sartorial edicts um, that are published, I think, across Southeast Asia, and this is maybe even clearer in places like Indonesia, about um, what sorts of accoutrements you could have, how many tiers of your umbrella, what kind, what's the metal used to make your beetle nut box? What, you know, is your cloth made of silk or cotton and what kind of patterns are on that cloth? And, and for that work, you can look at Alexandra Dalferro um, and also Catherine Bowie, who talk about how status differentiations um, are very clear to people in the know, in other words, people in that culture, that may not stand out to many Western observers who are really kind of fixated with the lack of gender differentiation, right? So I, you know, the the point here is that we need to be careful not to only look for gender or sexuality because it will occlude other significant factors uh, at that in that time and place.
2: And then your next work will be uh, investigating that. Idea of intersectionality, right?
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm I'm going to stick with this one for yeah, a little that's... while because I, I I do not fully understand it uh, and have a lot more work to do. Uh, but yeah, intersectionality would be very interesting, and whether or not that term really applies to Southeast right. Asia, I you mean, know, it's yeah. kind of the same discussion, right?
0: Um, yeah, is the is the is a is a focus on like something like gender transgression? Is that blinkered
1: in Thailand? Yeah. Um. Well, I think I I kind of argue that for the historical aspects. Um. Today, it's harder to tell. Actually, I mean, I think we need a lot more. Um, anthropological, like, present-day studies of, of transgender communities, which there are actually quite a few in process, to be able to answer that question, because certainly trans, the, a third gender identity uh, means something different, I think, today in Thailand than it has historically in Thailand and other parts of Southeast Asia. Uh, and part of the argument that others have made and that I tried to make today is that Uh, There's a historical category, which is a third gender category, which I don't even want to say is necessarily a transgender category, because uh, it, like man and woman, uh, this third gender category uh, is an equal partner in this triad. uh, And that's a very different way of thinking about gender than the binary impulse. Right. It's not an exclusionary
2: category. It's a separate,
1: its own category.
2: That's not negatively defined as it would be here, right? Or an in trans- between categories. Right, not exactly. in Between
1: categories. It's so. not.
0: It's not <coughs> lacking. Uh, as as well, I mean, I guess. How would you different, differentiate the the assumption in, in in the Western case versus the Thai case?
2: Just laying traps. Just laying traps. <laughs> just laying <laughs> traps. <laughs> um, I think. Um, I, I think at least from, from the Thai perspective, it is its own category, right? It's a different gender. So we don't have two genders. We have more than two genders. And if you're not this, then you're that. If you're not that, then you're this, the other, th- you know, not the mm-hmm. other thing, but it's just one, two, three, and however mm-hmm. many you want to, to distinguish. As opposed, in the US, I think it's more of a flowchart, right, <laughs> where you start here, yeah. and then you go yes or no. If no, then this. If yes, then that. Right? It's not that that type of, of flowchart gender category. Um, and again, sorry. While I'm throwing out dissertation topics, um, <laughs> I'm just I just want to read people's work, and I don't have the tools to do it. So I'm hoping that somebody out there is listening and wants to do it. Um, what's interesting? Some of some of this work has, is being done in in other Asian. American communities and other Southeast Asian American Mm -hmm. communities, but not the Thai American youth in particular. And I, because they grow up in a cultural context where they have more options, right, than just masculine, feminine, male, female, um, I'm interested to see how uh, transgender Thai American youths navigate these multitude of, hmm. of category options.
0: How, how, and I guess, how do they navigate it transnationally for those right, who, who right. are moving so there's back a lot and of, forth?
2: Exactly, there's a lot of interesting, because they have access to more than just the binary. So do when do they use which category, and, and does it matter? Do they distinguish it You know, in kind of their performance um, of selfhood Right? Or if they have selfhood, and how do they do that transnationally? Um, so whoever's out there, I look forward to reading your work.
1: <laughs> For me, what's interesting and maybe one of the reasons why I started working on this topic and was open to this, I think, monumental task of trying to read Butler and then try to think about her through Southeast Asian context is the fact that I would say since the maybe late 90s, 2000s, There's really been a kind of revolution in the United States in terms of transgender identity and and a huge variety of sexual identities. So transgender is not necessarily a sexual identity. Uh, And I find it fascinating um, where – so I think there are lots of options. There are many more options than certainly uh, when I grew up.
0: And it's not just male,
1: female, or transgender. It's just there's a, there's a multitude. And what does that mean? And why is that happening now in the United States? But also, how is that still very different than the context of, of Southeast Asia and Thailand in particular? And here I come back to that inner outer truth statement, right? Like, it, I think here the emphasis is on identity. Like, you're going to claim an identity, even if you're going to change it, even if it's a, a,
0: pub- a public identity. Yeah,
1: it's a spectrum. You, you tell your parents about it. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. certainly identify through, you, you have to identify in English because we have such gendered language. You're him or her, and now there's a creation of new terms if you don't identify as masculine or feminine or male or female. And in the Thai case, I don't think it's so much about identity, or there's more of a conflict there. Right for the reasons we've we've already discussed, so it will be interesting to see how these um, transnational youth identify.
0: Any any stories from the field, uh, Ganjana, that uh, that you've heard of uh, Southeast Asian Americans who maybe there's a certain way of performing one's one's identity here and then and then going to Southeast Asia and and is it is it a is it a liberating? Is it a conflicting? Is it like, like, what is that? How is that for them?
2: Um, I, of, I often hear from friends um, who identify as as mul- a multitude of things, and um, and I'm always interested, especially if they're from the queer community as well, what their experience traveling in Thailand is, because the Tourism Authority of Thailand has has begun a recent concerted effort to market to the LGBTQI. A communities that it is a safe, Thailand is a safe and friendly place for you to go and we're very welcoming it's a different culture you know so it's it's and and then not the, uniform
0: across Southeast Asia, so it would mm. <laughs> be great. Well, it's, it, it is the tourism <laughs> yeah.
2: authority of Thailand, and it's interesting yeah. um, to watch those ads and the, mm-hmm. the press that's, that's being constructed, the narrative that's being constructed, and then actually hearing from my friends um, in the community who go there and, you know, of course, depending where they go and what they're doing and how they, they present themselves, it's a whole, it's a different experience um, every time, but more related to linguistics. Uh, when I was trying to recruit participants, as you do in, in kind of a more social science study and not doing qualitative, um, I was looking for speakers of Thai. And I began the study wanting to find male and female speakers of Thai as kind of coming from the Western trained linguistics, non sociolinguistic investigation of the language right so you compare male female speakers mm. and so on and you normalize um kind of do all of these scientific statistics thing to their voices to make sure that you know all of that comes out in the wash as they say and and the people who kept volunteering for my study were what self-identified as third gender Whether you know they're they're female-bodied or or uh, male-bodied, as we would talk about in the West, and I didn't, I couldn't, I had to turn them down because in phonetics, there's no framework. You have to to check
0: one of these boxes or else, yeah.
2: In the framework of of phonetics, we don't have time to create a way. (laughs) We we I mean, to put it quite frankly, there wasn't a way that I could normalize their voice, right? into a category that would like statistically be significant and that's just hmm. part of my life that's just terrible we can't do that to humans anyways but um, but it was an interesting kind of this dilemma in the field because of the community that I find myself in I have more contact with people who identifies their gender and I kept having and it's hard enough to recruit people to interview right for your research for anyone who's done research and for people to come and volunteer and you have to say I oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know how to deal with you in this scientific framework. Mm. And I think oftentimes social scientists, if if they are mindful of gender categories at all in their work, run into kind of the same dilemma um, in the field. And uh, sociolinguistics is trying to deal with that a little bit, but sociolinguistics in, in Thailand is, is, is not quite at the same At the same place as as practices in the West in terms of speaker identity um, and speech performatives and stuff. But I don't know if, if, I mean, that's why you work with dead people, right? Is that you can, (laughs) I mean, that's We don't have have IRB issues, it's great.
1: (laughs) It does make it a little easier. They don't have to check boxes,
2: (laughs) they're not around. It it was nice, I have to say, in comparison to hunting, (laughs) not hunting, that sounds terrible, but recruiting people in the field (laughs) and just like begging and bribing them with like gift cards and presents and then just going into archive and just like reading to your heart's delight. You don't have to worry,
0: like, is this going to get them in trouble in some way? uh,
2: I don't have to take a lunch break if I don't want to.
0: (laughs) For our... um, so, for some of our listeners, maybe who are interested uh, in in finding out more, in addition to your own work, what are some of the can you talk about maybe some of the contributions in Thai studies uh, that, that that Butler in specific or in Southeast Asian studies maybe, but uh, what 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 are some th- other things that um, maybe listeners should read that 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 have tried to tried to use Butler in, in their mm. in their work and
1: mm. not a lot. There's not a lot in uh, English, right? Um, I mean, I, there's some in Thai uh, that I've cited uh, in the paper, but I didn't bring up, um, and they're not—they don't use uh, gender trouble as much as they use some of Butler's other work. Um, but uh, the the stuff that's in English that I did talk about uh, are f- books like Megan Sennett's work, uh and Dee's. Um, these, are, these are all works from the early 2000s, which just says, you know, there's, it's, there's room now to update these. Uh, she really does a, an excellent job of using Butler in a robust way to um, talk through some issues uh, in the Dee community in Thailand. Uh, And so there's a utilization, a kind of positive utilization of Butler and also like Butler showing the constraints of heteronormative uh, gender roles, even within the Thai lesbian community uh, and how those get used in punitive ways. Right. So if you read her book, you'll find out about that. Um, I've also used um, Roz Morris's work pretty extensively. She doesn't work on Thailand anymore, but uh, her early work also late 90s, mid, mid 90s um, uh, is, is really excellent. She's a very theoretically minded anthropologist who uh, has been really harshly critiqued uh, for some mistakes she's made, but um, actually if you, if you read generously, you'll learn a lot from reading her early pieces on uh, gender performativity that doesn't have to do per se with Thailand uh, but also um, uh, transgender issues in Thailand. So both
0: this this project for the uh, Association for Asian Studies or this assignment uh, mm-hmm. is is it, uh, it going to result in uh, in a edited volume or what do you where do you see it going?
1: Uh, I I am pretty sure the Journal of Asian Studies owns that <laughs> they're going to publish uh, they're going to okay. publish the contributions made by the different panelists. Uh, and judith butler will be at the aas in 2020 on that nope, panel. no pressure no pressure <laughs> good luck and
2: god bless yeah.
0: <laughs> well on uh uh in behalf of the center for salutation studies uh I say thanks for thanks for coming and thanks to god tomorrow and we hope i'm we'll, here to fan girl. we'll 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 hope you join us again soon
1: thank you very much i've enjoyed